0: Hey, this is Dr. Patty Sadala. Welcome to my Experience Jesus podcast. In this how-to and identity episode, we will look at what it takes to become a powerfully anointed fruit bearer for the kingdom. Jesus will do much of the talking today as he explains what it takes to move from the you paradigm to the God paradigm and shares nine things that all kingdom impact rock stars have in common. Jesus is the vine and followers are his branches. In John 15:5 through 11, it says, I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him bears much fruit. For otherwise, apart from me, that is, cut off from the vital union with me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown out like a broken-off branch, and withers and dies. And they gather such branches and throw them into the fire, and they are burned." If you remain in me and my words remain in you, that is, if we are vitally united and my message lives in your heart, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified and honored by this when you bear much fruit and prove yourself to be my true disciples. I have loved you just as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love and do not doubt my love for you. If you keep my commandments and obey my teaching, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that my joy and delight may be in you, and that your joy may be made full and complete and overflowing. To better understand this concept of fruit-bearing, the Lord gave me a series of diagrams and pictures. I will do my best to explain them to you. A PowerPoint document is attached on the pattyej.podbean.com site that includes all of these diagrams. And there are a few images of just some of them in the links below there as well. The Lord showed me a Christian journey from what he called the you paradigm to the God paradigm. We all begin with our lives apart from God. This is because of Adam and Eve's original sin that separates us from God. The image the Lord gave me for this picture are two circles side by side but not touching each other. The left one is named you, and the right one is named God. Notice that God is still next to you. This is the biblical truth of God's omnipresence. God always was, is, and will be with you, regardless of whether you choose to surrender to him as your Lord and Savior or not. The you paradigm is illustrated by a circle in the center of the page named you with arrows pointing out to a variety of other smaller circles that identify your life areas and key issues that you need to address in life. The smaller circles could be named things like your childhood traumas, health, job or career, marriage, children, gifts and skills, plans, future, tragic incidences, The arrows emanate from the you circle to the smaller circles, indicating that you are the source of the thoughts, feelings, emotions, and responses to these things. There is a God circle there after salvation, but it's just the same size as the other circles. It is not a primary starting point or focus in your life. Everything filters through your self-perspective in the you paradigm. Well, the you paradigm is a familiar one for all of us, and we can all relate to it, even if it's not where we are now, but the Lord doesn't want you to stay there. We learn in the verse above that you can do nothing apart from God. So anything you do, even if it's for God, from this perspective, is considered a dead work, because there's no power when you start with yourself. The power comes from God. The Lord wants to take you on a journey from the you paradigm to the God paradigm. This is the picture of a fruit-bearing Christian. It is the best version of you, the Christ you, for which Jesus died for you to become. This is the person that the Heavenly Father sees you as already through Jesus' perfect sacrifice. The God paradigm is pictured as a giant funnel filled with all those circles that we mentioned earlier, dumped into it, and flowing out the bottom of the funnel, you see the two you and God circles nearly completely overlapped. They are not completely overlapped, because we will not see perfection until we are in our glorified bodies in heaven. But the circles are so overlapped in the center that there is just a small sliver of you... On the edges, this is a person of a picture who is living the Jeremiah twenty nine eleven plans that God has for them, and is releasing the fruit of the Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit as a lifestyle, seeing salvations, miracles, healings, and other supernatural manifestations as their normal everyday life. Many of the heroes of the faith in the Bible live this kind of life. Paul, Peter, and John, for example. In our generation, Billy Graham bore so much fruit he needs no bio. In fact, two years before he died, Lana Vowser, an Australian prophetess, received a prophetic message that God would release a double portion of Billy Graham's anointing on those in the Spirit-led body of Christ that were of a pure heart. She held on to that message and shared it only a few days after his death. The link to that prophetic promise is in the pattyeday.podbean.com site below. Here's a short snippet from that message. This decree heralded a time coming to the earth of great increase of signs, wonders, and miracles, unlike anything we have seen that would accompany the pure proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, a great awakening and returning to the beauty, power, and simplicity of the gospel to usher in an incredible harvest of souls, awakening not only the evangelists, but awakening the fire of evangelism within the hearts of all believers, the anointing of Billy Graham falling upon a generation of people. I don't know about you, but I want to be counted as one who receives and stewards this released anointing. You may be saying to yourself, yeah, but that's Billy Graham. He was special. I could never do what Billy Graham did. The truth is that you couldn't do what Billy Graham did. And it wasn't even him that did it in the first place. It was the Christ Billy Graham that did it. And the Christ you could do even more than that with a double portion of his anointing, if the Lord found you surrendered and pure-hearted enough to be used at that level. The God paradigm is for all believers, not just the special ones. Here are some verses to prove that statement. Please note the absolute words, like all and every in these verses. Ephesians 1, 22 to 23, and he put all things in every realm in the subjection under Christ's feet, and appointed him as supreme and authoritative head over all things in the church, which in his body, the fullness of him who fills and completes all things in all believers. John 5.19. So Jesus answered them by saying, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, the son can do nothing of himself, of his own accord, unless it is something he sees the father doing, For whatever things the Father does, the Son, in His turn, also does in the same way. And finally, in Proverbs 3, 4-6. So find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Trust in and rely confidently on the Lord with all your heart, and do not rely on your own insight or understanding. In all your ways know and acknowledge and recognize Him, and He will make your path straight and smooth removing obstacles that block your way. What does the journey look like for you to go from the you paradigm to the God paradigm? Now imagine the giant funnel is underneath a bridge that stretches the entire length of the open mouth of the funnel. The funnel is God and the bridge is your life journey as you walk day by day. See yourself with a hiker's backpack that contain all those issues we talked about earlier. Your health, your job, relationships, past experiences, family, kids, hopes, dreams. As you carry the weight of all that stuff yourself, you approach the choice point of your salvation and throw the first thing into the funnel and is thrown over at the point of salvation. Below the funnel are those two circles the one named you and the one named God. As you toss your will into the funnel, the two separate circles that were not touching before are now slightly overlapping. Your Christ identity was birthed by that first decision, that first level of surrender. As you continue to walk across the bridge of life, God will get your attention that will drop you to your knees. Maybe you have a scary medical condition that you need to surrender your health to, the great physician for. When you throw that concern for your health into the funnel and allow the great physician to heal you, he does so miraculously. And your circle and God's circle inch closer together. There's a greater center overlap. You've just taken another step toward God and your Christ identity. You have another story that can help bless other people and bring them closer to God as well. The journey from the you to God paradigm is a process of surrendering one area or part of your life at a time, where onion layers of surrender peel off one self area at a time in favor of God's. And with each surrender, you align yourself with who God sees you as already. The closer the two circles overlap, the more aligned you are with the God paradigm. Another insight the Lord gave me is that your life can look like a series of different overlapping circles depending on the issue. My mother, for example, could trust the great physician with her health no problem. So that would be a big overlapping circle for her. But she struggled to trust him in financial areas, which would make her farther apart from God in that. It is the collective that is your life journey picture But you can also see yourself learning lessons one area at a time and be able to use those lessons that you've learned when you feel yourself closer to God in a certain area and not others, that you can help people that are needing the same kind of help that you have already learned how to trust God in. In the journey of your life, you'll notice that at first you throw in the easy things. Those are the things where you are clearly out of your depth. You know you can't handle this thing on your own. One example for me was when I got my Lyme's disease diagnosis, and God needed me to trust him for a miraculous cure. For others, it might be a major financial crisis, and they needed to learn how to trust Jehovah Jireh. Sometimes even atheists will begin to pray when they know they're over their head. You know you're moving to a new level of maturity when you start to throw over the hard things. Those are the things that are outside of your comfort zone, like trusting God to move you to a new city or country, or saying yes to that book that he's asked you to write, or forgiving someone that you know does not deserve it. I had a lot of years in this section of the bridge, learning the power of forgiveness, stepping out of my comfort zone to write a book that included media, saying yes to going for a doctorate degree. I'm sure there are many cases like this in your own life. Saying yes to surrendering these things, these sort of calling-related things, absolutely will advance you to later and greater levels of spiritual maturity. The highest level of spiritual maturity is when you surrender the familiar things. These are the things you think you don't need God for because you're already an expert in these areas. I learned this lesson by finally obeying God's voice to take a class for my doctorate that I had 35 years experience with. I had many an argument with the Lord about taking this class. After all, I could teach this class. But the point was, I needed to surrender all of me, even the parts of me that I considered my strength. Nothing is a strength that is unsanctified. God cannot use a person in pride. So your areas of expertise are the pride levels that are the final ones that need to go. Every single area in your life needs to be thrown into that funnel. The God paradigm is an all thing. He is the omni-God. There is nothing that can begin with you that will be of any value. Everything must be filtered and sanctified through Him. Let's take a few minutes to talk about pruning. The dictionary defines pruning as to trim by cutting away dead or overgrown branches or stems, especially to encourage growth. This definition can also be applied to your Christian life. For you to grow spiritually, you need to become purposeful and remain in a healthy relationship with Christ to allow him to cut away all the self stuff and replace it with all the God stuff. His nature, character, mind, will, and emotions must guide your life, if you are to be fruitful. John 15.5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches, the one who remains in me and I in him bears much fruit. For otherwise, apart from me, that is, cut off from the vital union with me, you can do nothing. Pruning is shedding your baggage. It is the tossing of an area or an issue that hinders you over the bridge into God's funnel. As we talked about in the episode, How to Follow the Good Shepherd, you can allow yourself to lay down in green pastures by giving the Lord more and more aspects of your heart and life. Or he can make you lie down in green pastures by getting your attention and causing you to drop to your knees and recognize your need for him and surrendering that area or issue in your life. One thing that I've observed in my own life and also in the lives of my students and counseling clients is that the timing of tossing an issue over a funnel is often when the pain or discomfort of not addressing that issue with the Lord becomes greater than your fear of the change or the pain of the present situation. In the John 15 5 verse that we mentioned above, it says that the one who remains in him bears much fruit. To remain is to abide in Christ. The word abide in the Bible is meno, which means to stay, wait, live, continuously, remain, stand. It is a continuous heart posture of wanting to be in God's presence. Experiencing Him, hearing and seeing, and obeying His voice is the lifestyle of abiding. John 15, 10 says, if you keep my commandments and obey my teaching, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and remain in his love. The Lord is showing us that obeying is another way to abide. The word remain in this verse is the same word meno for the word abide. So those who abide will be soaking in God's presence, which is his love. They will hear his voice and obey his promptings. The Lord will trust them to release his power through them, and they will remain humble enough to give God the glory that leads to ever-increasing levels of holy boldness and fruit-bearing. You cannot help but reflect God's nature and character if you're living a lifestyle of abiding. Galatians 5.22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit, the result of his presence within us, is, love, unselfish concern for others, joy, inner peace, patience, not the ability to wait, but how we act while we're waiting, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All fruit bearing is really about reflecting the love of God. Colossians 1:4 through 6 says, For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, how you lean on him with absolute confidence in his power, wisdom, and goodness and of the unselfish love for which you have for all the saints, God's people, because of the confident hope of experience that which is reserved and waiting for you in heaven. You previously heard of this hope in this message of truth, the gospel regarding salvation, which has come to you. Indeed, just as in the whole world the gospel is continually bearing fruit and spreading by God's power, just as it has been doing among you ever since the day you first heard of it, and understood the grace of God and truth, becoming thoroughly and deeply acquainted with it. The goal of the Christian life is to walk one day at a time, transforming into your Christ you. The you and the God circle almost completely overlapped. The unified Christ is your Christ identity. It's how the Father sees you already because of the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. This is your true biblical identity and who you need to become in order to live out your Jeremiah 29, 11 plans that God has for you, the plans that give you a hope and a future. When I attended the Jesus 18 conference sponsored by Jesus Image, there were 13 presenters that weekend, each one with incredible stories of impressive fruit-bearing lives. God was using them to lead millions to Christ Each seeing miraculous healings just about every day, bringing hope to the hopeless, and generally shining God's light by simply walking into a room. I took an entire journal notebook full of notes on each of their sessions. I have never seen a more diverse group of people, but they all had the fragrance of Jesus all over them. Each unique in personality and calling, but all looking like Jesus, reflecting his love through their lives and their own ways. When I got back from that conference, the Lord asked me to summarize what these unique people had in common, and then he gave me personal insight into each of these issues. I will attach a document on the pattyej.podbean.com site for this episode. It will include the nine common denominators, as well as what Jesus had to say about them. The Jesus 18 presenters included Michael and Jess Koulianos, Benny Hinn, Daniel Kalenda, Brian Guerin, Randy Clark, Heidi Baker, Todd White, Eric Gilmore, Ben Fitzgerald, Claudio Frazon, Dave Papavici, and Lou Engel. Before we dive into these, I want you to pay attention to the key questions at the end of Jesus' comments about each of the characteristics. They are there as journal prompts so that the Lord may give you clarity about where you are on the bridge as you walk from the you to the God paradigm. So you may want to take notes on this section or just plan to grab it from my pattyej.podbean.com site. What did these 13 diverse, high-fruit-bearing servants of God have in common? Number one, before there is new wine, you need a new wineskin. Jesus said, The inside of an ancient wineskin cannot be seen. Wine leaves behind fermented residue as the wine ages. You know how wine, after a bottle has been opened for a few days, begins to ferment and turn sour after being opened. It's because it's beginning to break down and rot. New wine poured into an old wineskin with old rotting cells will quickly make the new wine rotten. Molecules expand and burst the old wineskin. The new wineskin represents the new man, pure, new, untainted. The new wine is the truth of my presence. My grace comes with salvation, the Holy Spirit in fullness. When a person understands their identity in Christ, they agree with me about who they are. This person is free to exercise the gifts of my Holy Spirit without barriers or hindrances of the old sin nature. Their life reflects new wine in a new wineskin. So here we learn salvation is the first step. And understanding what that salvation means is critical. Key questions. Do I live my life with a new or an old wineskin? Do I live the truth that Jesus sets me free? Or do I still live in bondage of the old nature? Number two, they all had a significant time when they encountered the holiness of God and it changed everything. Jesus said, People pray to me all the time for what they want, but it is an encounter of my holiness that shines the light on the real need. When Ezekiel encountered this aspect of me, he fell on his face and said, I am a man of unclean lips. Daniel's encounter with my holiness had him fall on his face as if dead. When Paul was blinded on the road to Damascus, he instantly knew he had been fighting for the wrong side. John, who walked as my friend, While I was on earth, was utterly undone by what he now understood about my holiness in the throne room. Meeting the holiness of me is a purifying encounter, allowing a greater awareness of self-areas that need to be sacrificed at the altar. All deliverance, healing, and freedom and victory come from first acknowledging lies, and then seeing the truth, and agreeing with my truth, then behaving in accordance with that truth. Encountering my holiness kicks off the first step of this purification of the new wineskin. He questions. What truth do I need to agree with, Lord? Please give me a holy encounter with you. Number three, their priority was Jesus alone. The only desire was being with him. This desire was above doing anything for him. And Jesus said, to make me the most significant priority is a challenge. This is true especially for those in the Western culture. Do, do, do is the cultural priority. But I say, be with me, be with me, be with me. Being with me is the secret to maximum kingdom impact anyway. Most people have their priorities upside down. People think that their agenda and doing things for me Is more important than spending time with me or in the Word, prayer, praise, and worship, or even encountering me. They say, I don't have time to read my Bible, go to Bible study, spend time in grateful worship. Who has time to just quietly be with God? Remember, I am the author of time, and I am omnipresent and timeless. Lord, what tips do you have for me to make you my only? How can I find satisfaction in simply being with you? And he said, it's a choice. The choice to make time for me will automatically pop me higher on the priority list. Being conscious of what you're making a higher priority than me is a first step. Remember what Jess Culiana said. Be the bride that God can trust. Have no other lovers. Key question. What is your greatest priority? And how can you make God a higher priority than this? Number four. They had a holy dissatisfaction with their relationship with God. And their heart cry was for more, more, more. I created everyone with a heart cry for more, more, more. I created people to have a heart's desire for more of me. But the flesh can confuse the heart cry and turn it into a heart cry of more in the wrong direction. That's why there's so much idolatry and addictions in the world. Because I created you to want more. The challenge is to understand that true satisfaction and fulfillment come only from me. So the real challenge is, first, the awareness that what your heart really wants and needs is more of me. It only takes a small taste of the absolute love of me. Experiencing that love can be more addictive than anything else. Encountering the realness of me is the secret. Engaging more and more aspects of my names and character Is a way for you to increase this hunger for me. My love is a holy addiction. A small taste of my love will increase your hunger for a bigger meal. Many never taste and see that I am good. They don't know what they're missing. They try to fill the God-shaped holes in their hearts with more of whatever they think will make them happy, and yet wonder why they're so unhappy. Key question. Show me what it feels like to have more of you, so I will want that holy addiction. Number five, they said yes and amen, no matter how scary the calling. And Jesus said, fear is removed when a person understands that I am. When I am with you, there is nothing to fear. My power and anointing will be there for you when you align with my will. When I am directing your path, you will always know the way. You are never alone because I am. When I give you something to accomplish, I bring my whole self to the job, fully equipping you to carry it out. It's all about understanding who I am and every big idea I have for you. My plans are too big for you to handle. If it were easy, you would think you didn't need me. My plans are always big and they're always good. See Jeremiah 29 11. If you know those things about me are true in your heart, then you can say yes and amen no matter how scary, crazy, big, or out there the calling. So you see, the secret is being able to say yes to me is to know who I am rightly. I am trustworthy. So trust me. I created you uniquely for such a time as this, to become who I already see you as, the real you, the Christ you, your Christ identity. Your Christ identity is empowered completely by me. I trust you for the job. I've called you to do, will you trust me? Start by saying yes and amen to every little heart prompt I give you, especially the small ones. You will see that I'm there to work through you. It's never you alone, and it's never me alone. It's me working through you. Once you can see that truth in the small things, you will be able to trust me to help you with the big things. Will you partner with me and say yes and amen? What have I been waiting on you for? that you're really waiting on me to say yes and amen about. Please increase my gift of faith so I will say yes. Number six, they were willing to pay any cost for the sake of Jesus. And Jesus said, there's always a cost of obedience, a sacrifice of your time, your will, your resources. So realizing that your life is my life and that what you do is part of my plan is one of the first steps to understanding that the cause of Christ is worth any price. Your life is not your own, it was bought with a price. Every sacrifice you make you may think of as a loss, but it's always a gain. Here on earth and in heaven, I turn your perceived losses into rewards and blessings. For those who give it all, there is a martyr's crown that will bless them enormously for eternity. Oh if people could see the eternal rewards for this type of sacrifice, the world would be a better place. The martyr's crown is for those who are faithful unto death. That doesn't mean you have to die. It means that you need to be faithful until you die. The world sees these sacrifices as a tragic loss, but it's always gain when you're willing to pay any cost for my sake. Sacrifice is the fruit of a heart of gratitude. The grateful heart knows that no one can outgive me. Grateful people are in touch with the truth of salvation and the fullness of Christ in their hearts. These types of hearts yearn to thank me at any cost. Key questions How can I be more grateful to you and willingly give you my time, treasures, and talents? What do you want me to sacrifice for your sake? Number seven. They purposed in their spirit to give God all and remove self from the equation. And Jesus said, removing self is a process of onion layers. Self-issues pop up in so many areas of your life. Self-consciousness is essentially the fear of man's reaction. Needing the approval of others and caring about that more than my approval. Self-effort is when you think you don't need me. This is a pervasive problem. I find people praying to me all the time when all else fails. The lie of self-sufficiency is a lie of unneed. Believing that you don't need me has led many lives down the road to destruction. Selfishness is when you care about your own wants above the needs of others, and more importantly, the desires of my will. Selfishness is actually the opposite of love because it forsakes me. Self-promotion is rooted in ego. It's essentially serving yourself. You cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve yourself and me. To purpose in your spirit to give me all is to decide with your will to agree with me and that it's in your best interest to give me your best because I'm your omni-god. To purpose in your spirit is to have action behind your belief system. I know everything, see everything, have sovereign control over everything, and I'm always loved. It's acknowledging that I have the very best plans for you, and there's no better person to trust with your life than me. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Key questions. Lord, what area of self am I holding on to that I need to surrender to you? Show me how to let it go. Number eight. They had lifestyles of abiding and surrender that led to the fruit bearing of constant signs, wonders, miracles exercising the power of the living God every day of their lives. Jesus said, To have a lifestyle of abiding is not to put me in a box. You cannot have some aspects of me in your life, but not all aspects of me in your life. When you are with me 24-7, it's impossible not to see me 24-7. Living with me leads to life of great expectancy. When you live with the intimacy of the Holy of Holies, There is no natural limitations. When you understand that, you will live a life that simply expects me to be who I am. This level of abiding brings with it my presence, my glory, and my anointing. Abiding leads naturally to signs, wonders, and miracles. You don't have to seek those signs. Instead, they come along for the ride as side effects to my presence. The more you see me, the more others will see me. In you exercising my power will become part of who you are you're simply acting in agreement with your inheritance as my child bride friend masterpiece ambassador among other things key questions Lord what specific lifestyle choices do you want me to make so that I am abiding in your presence and you are able to release more of you in my circles of influence and finally number 9 God was real to them, and they were able to make him real to others. And Jesus said, The more you encounter the different aspects of me, the more confidence you have that I am who I say I am. The more confidence you have, the more you will inspire confidence in me to others and live a life that sets you apart. People can see the difference between you and others living in the limitations of this world. Make them want what you have in me. Tell your story. Your story is reliving the gospel of what I've done in your life. Share every character and aspect of me you've ever met. Introduce people to me as the provider, healer, shepherd, defender, redeemer, counselor, savior, friend. When you meet these aspects of me and tell those stories, you show people how to meet me in ways they need to meet me themselves. I will show up in mighty ways, show them how to encounter me, And I will take it from there. Key question. Lord, what story do you want me to share about how you have blessed my life so that I may help others know the realness of you personally? Are you ready to ask Jesus how you can be a greater fruit-bearing Christian? The goal of today's encounter is to ask the Lord to give you a glimpse of yourself fully aligned with his will as your Christ identity. If this is your first podcast experience with us, you may want to go back to the trailer episode and learn about the biblical foundation for dialogue journaling, our process for experiencing Jesus. This leads you through the first special place encounter with Jesus as a child. This is a starting point for all of our experiences with Jesus. For best results, it is always good to properly posture your heart for your experience by welcoming Jesus's presence with praise and thanksgiving and playing with him in the special place as a child for a few minutes before asking for anything from him. Make sure you have your list of key questions that you had on your heart when we went through the nine common denominators, just in case you want to ask God more in this encounter experience. After properly preparing your heart with praise and worship and thanksgiving, going to your special place and playing with Jesus as a child for a few moments, Ask Jesus to give you a glimpse of yourself, fully aligned with his will. Really pay attention to what you see, hear, feel, and think, and what feels different about it than the way you live your life now. Thank him for this picture, and keep the conversation going for as long as you need, asking some of the key questions that popped into your spirit when you were listening to this podcast. Take all the time you need and make sure you record everything in your journal. I hope you had a great time with Jesus in that experience and that you have a greater idea of what it would take for you to be a higher fruit-bearing Christian. And I hope you will join us on this podcast adventure. Follow this podcast and forward it to others that you think may be blessed by it. And check out all the links below. They are designed to take you deeper. I thank God for you and bless you in Jesus' name.